leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to give it a few seconds just to let some more attendees roll in, and then we will go ahead and get started. Okay, perfect. That number is rising. So let's jump right in. Thank you for being here. Once again, my name is Samantha Blair. I am the event manager for career services. I am joined by my colleague, Melissa. We are here to help you with any questions, comments, concerns. So if you need anything, please message us directly and we will do our best to help you out. I am also joined by Brian Golson, probably a familiar face to a lot of you, a business relations manager in career services and our awesome moderator for the day. And last but not least, we have Christoph here. I'm sure a lot of you follow him on LinkedIn, his podcast, just an awesome resource for us today. And we're super excited to pick his brain and get all the advice that we can get from him. So thank you so much, Christoph, for being here today. Okay, some Zoom information. So we are in webinar format, so we cannot see your beautiful faces. However, we know that you're there. We know that you're there through the chat box where you guys can um, talk to each other, network and all that. But we also have the Q&A box. We recommend that you drop your questions for Christoph as soon as they pop into your brain and we will get to them at the very end of the session. Please note that we will get to as many as we can. However, we wanna use his time the best that we possibly can. So if those questions are easily answered by a career coach or someone in career services, we might send you in that direction just to get the most out of Christoph's time. So just an FYI. This is also being recorded and you will get the deck and the recording in Canvas and probably a pop-up in your email. So if you need to watch it again, you need a resource, you will get that after the fact, as well as a very, very short survey that we hope that you will complete for us. It really helps us make these better for you and cater these events more to what you need along your journey in the bootcamp. So without further ado, I will stop talking and I will send this over to Brian. Thank you, Sam. Uh, yeah, welcome everybody. Um, I am a business relations manager at American University and ODU. Um, and we have our guest, uh, Chris, here with us. And uh, we appreciate you all attending the fireside chat. I mean, it's pretty cold over where I'm at. And I'm sure and actually Chris and I are like maybe 20 miles from each other. So pretty cold where you're at. All you Florida people and California people, yeah, laugh in our faces because it's warm there. But here, the fireside chat actually has meaning because it's cold and we need that fire. But uh, yeah, let's let's just kind of throw it your way, Chris. I mean, I know you're a senior manager and cyber consultant at F10 uh, FinTech. You have over 15 years in the industry. 
Um, I know you're not in cyber piracy because if there were, there would be an R in your name to be Christopher. Ha ha. But all right. So let's start off, Chris. Let's see. Uh, let's hear a little bit about your background. You always been interested in cyber and, uh, you know, kind of what led you to that. It started out that I was always interested in tech. And the first day of my help desk career, I saw someone had a post-it note on their keyboard with their password. And I, I said to myself, there's got to be a better way. And that really started the journey into cyber. But before that, it was helping friends and family make best use of the technology um, removing viruses and things like that, and just helping their machines stay up to date. I didn't think of it as security back then, because um, I lived in the Caribbean. So it was just doing computer stuff. Um, but um, fast forward to when I finished my bachelor's in business administration, I wanted an emphasis on information systems so I could focus on how to do things more securely and started down that, that career path. Great, yeah. Um, so so there, do you remember that if there was ever a time that like, just, you, you said you, you know, as you know, when growing up and, in, in, you know, in your, in, your, uh, in your history, you've had, um, you know, helping out your family and, and you know, different, uh, you know, securing different things and whatnot. Has there ever been a time though, there was like one, something that just switched in you that was like, you know what? I wanna make a career out of this, make a living. Is there, was there like an event, you know, that ever, for me, there was never a time that was like, I'm going to be a business relations manager. But like, you know, there were different things that led the way. But was there ever a point where you thought like, all right, this is my calling? I would say for me, that was 2008. Um, everything crashed and I was in a sales career. Um, I saw people struggling getting credit and I was in the business of selling things that required a lot of credit. Um and I'm like, if I'm going to struggle, I'm going to struggle doing something I love. So I quit my job and started focusing on studying. Um, back then, I, I went to uh, a New Horizon similar to, to this where I wanted to beef up. I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, I focused on my A+, plus, Net+, plus, Security+, plus, and got my MCSA. Like I walked in the door and I'm like, this is what I want. Um, there was no selling, there was no, nothing like I knew what I wanted and I went after it. Great. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. I mean, uh, the, I'm, the 08 boom uh, or a tank, I should say, is probably when a lot of people decided. So it's nice to hear that, you know, you're a career changer, like a lot of our students, you know, we have a kind of like the, the threefold of students that, that attend our, our program, you have the career starters, we have the career changers and we have the career enhancers, if you will. So in uh, the majority of them kind of lie right there in the middle as a career changer. So uh, it's nice to hear that you, you know, you, you kind of identify with that a bit. Now, our first topic is going to be on mentorship and advice. And then our second topic is going to be on your role in evolving trends, things like that. Um, so we'll take like the next 15 minutes to do mentorship and advice. So the first question I'll throw your way is how do you continue uh, to grow and develop as a leader? So, you know, like what are the most important attributes that you want to possess as a leader that you would hope to see in, you know, other industry leaders as well? Great, great question. As I, as I grow in my career, I started to notice that the higher up you went, um, it was more about understanding the people and then the process and then the technology in that order. 
Um, so for me, it was about personal growth and interacting with other leaders, as well as self-identifying within myself. What are the characteristics that I want to work on? What are the causes that I want to work on? And truly find what's called your why. And I, finding out what my why is, is helping organizations grow and do so in a secure manner. And um, in that statement, it doesn't say, oh, well, you need a firewall to do so. Um, but a firewall might help you in, secure, in doing that securely. All right, great. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, majority of the leaders, not only in this industry, but in any industry, really, they found their why, right? And I think that's a lot of the students here today are, they, you know, they wouldn't have taken the plunge to go back into a program, even if they came from an undergrad, you know, from years back, or, or they are in a really um, uh, secure job that's in a different industry, you know, there's that point where you, you find your why, and you want to know what the most important things are that's going to uh, lead you to be successful somewhere else one day. And, uh, and I think one of those things that really helps as a, as a mentor, right? So, you know, one of the questions is that we want to, you know, uh, you know, ask you is, you know, who is your mentor or who was your mentor? It might be someone, you know, or just someone that you listen to on a podcast, read in a book. Um, and then, you know, what makes them a good mentor um, and why they're important to you? Yeah, um, let, let me finish up the topic on the why, why first, though. Um, I've, I've actually found um, in my career coaching that many people still don't know their why. They come into the cybersecurity industry because they see the headlines of 3 million, 400 million jobs unfilled. And then they see the, the headlines of cybersecurity jobs rank in six figures and they, they kind of chase that pay. Uh, they, they come in and they say, I want to get in cybersecurity. And even to this morning, someone reached out to me and they're like, I have my master's in cybersecurity and I want to be a cybersecurity consultant. And I said, okay, uh, where in cybersecurity? And it went blank. Um, they, they didn't have an answer to that. And that, that kind of goes back to also like, why are they doing it? Um, are they looking to secure organizations? Are they looking for to chase that problem and to help solve complex problems? You're still kind of figuring that out. Um, that leads into finding a mentor that could potentially help you find that because I didn't know my why until one of my mentors helped me find my why. They actually went through a session and asked me questions and um, went through a discovery phase that I answered and you're like, well, you talked about this, you talked about that, and I helped you find your why. And it resonated with me and it really felt true. Uh, that being said, you're going to find that over the stage of your career, you're going to have many mentors in many different areas of life. You, you might have a mentor for your physical. Um, people might think that as a, a coach um, uh, that helps you lose weight or gain fitness, uh, you'll have mentors for your, your, your spiritual life if you're like that. But in, in your careers, most people don't think of mentors that way. Um, they don't see that they might need a business mentor, a leadership mentor, 
uh, a marketing mentor, a cybersecurity mentor. And I, I would encourage individuals to, to reach out and to find individuals, even if you're one step ahead of them, where they might just share those things that they learned in their journey with them because they can help grow each other. And there's a special thing in a mentor-mentee relationship that uh, called reverse mentoring, where you can help someone that's much further along in their career in ways that you didn't think you knew, but they see that and they also gain benefit from that mentor-mentee relationship. I like how you you tied the why in with the mentorship because that's that's hugely important. And you know, the why is is critical for I think anybody, not just in in cyber or tech or whatever. It, it's it's throughout life, right? And the mentorship too, because when we hear hear mentor, we think oh one person is going to mentor me, and you know that's going to be like my main mentor. But we we I think we overlook that there's various layers of mentorship, right? Or various levels or, 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 or angles that you can go. And that was really, I think that's a kind of a profound statement that you said. And, um, uh, you know, I don't doubt that it came from a, a fellow Virginian. So, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that you had a good statement. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's, let, let's move on to the next question I, or that we have. I think, uh, you know, kind of segueing into, you know, you, you found your why, you got good mentorship, you, you know, you, you, and you've had it throughout your whole career. Now, let's kind of go into, some of the advice pieces here that um, I'm sure a lot of students will hear because this often comes up and it's, you know, certifications. We know you hold multiple certifications. Which ones do you feel are the most important to obtain? And let's put ourselves in the shoes of, of, of you know, the career changer, right? Because that's our main one. But I mean, the career star is the same way. You know, in, in opinions are probably going to vary. But what do you think are the most important ones to go after? There's... On my podcast, there's the whole battle between experience, education, and certifications. Um, so to kind of level set with everyone, let's explain the differences. Um, there's experience where you learn something through doing, and that could be on your own, that could be on the job. Um, there's education where you understand the theory about what's happening, but you might not have that hands-on aspect. And then there's certification that kind of proves that you can answer these questions or in a hypothetical environment, um, complete these exercises. Um, so for any one of my career coaches, I would really want to understand their full situation. But I'll go back to my example um, in my career. I started off with the A+, plus, Net+, Net plus, and Security+. Plus. And the reason for that was at the time, um, physical computers were, desktop computers were still a thing. Um, every office had multiple of them and each individual had one. So um, being able to troubleshoot the internals of a computer and work with them physically was, was a requirement and was something I enjoyed. So I wanted to improve my skill in those areas. Uh, the network plus was then to understand how computers and applications com communicate over the network and then be able to troubleshoot those. And then the security plus was how can we now enable computing and application to do so in a secure way, considering that there's people in process involved. And that, that was the reason that I went with that trifecta. Um, today, with 
serverless computing and um, virtual computing that's all in the cloud, uh, your A plus might not be something that you need to do because you're not physically touching that computer. Um, you still want to understand how applications work with the desktop, but that that's something that you can that you can learn, um, and you don't necessarily need to get certified in there. Uh, the network plus is still going to be critical. And for those going in the security plus, I think it provides a nice foundation of understanding what security is and how to implement different layers of security. Great, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, kind of piggying back on what, you know, that, that question, um, and I'm going rogue, Sam, I'm sorry, that's not, this isn't a question on the list, but I think it's really important for, for students to hear is, um, and I guess it could tie into the next question about, you know, growing and staying current in the, in the industry. But, you know, a lot of our students, you know, I work on the back end with our students, right? We know, help them get, you know, job leads, you know, get resumes in front of companies. And, you know, the, these, these entry level, level cyber roles, and I'm sure everyone can understand what I'm talking about when I use the air quotes, you know, they ask you for, you know, to donate a kidney, the blood of your firstborn. And, oh, oh by the way, two to three years in tech industry. And, and I'm, you know, obviously being facetious, but a lot of that, you know, you have these lofty expectations when it comes to entry level cyber. And so we're, you know, we're really trying to navigate by going into, you know, kind of going in what you mentioned about like, you know, troubleshooting, you know, the, and everything like that, like going into those IT, you know, support roles first, how do we, how do we break around that barrier? If there is a way to break around the barrier, um, it, I mean, the certs obviously help, but do you have any advice on that? Yeah, I would say first figuring out specifically what role you're interested in. And th this involves the self-discovery aspect that I think a lot of career pivoters or even newcomers to the career uh, skip. They go, I want to do cybersecurity, and then they kind of skip in, well, which aspect of cybersecurity? Um, is it application development? Is it application security? Is it web development? Um, is it architecture? Like figuring out exactly where that they're interested in. And sure, you can learn the foundation, um, but learning the foundation really makes you a generalist. And specifically in cybersecurity, uh, to get your first first role, a lot of employers are looking for you to be a specialist. And likely they, they want you to be a specialist in a certain area and then be a generalist everywhere else. So that's why kind of doing the self-discovery and figuring out what role do you want to be, whether that's a, a threat intel analyst or a SOC analyst, um, figure out now the, the skills and competencies needed for those roles and do a gap assessment. Do you have them? Um, do you have some of them? Are you good at them? Are you not good at them? And, and then kind of rate yourself. And then now look at the, the job descriptions and see, okay, are they calling for all of them? At a specific company, they might. At a different company, they might not. Um, and then talk to some people in the industry. Um, talk to peers, talk to others doing that specific role and, and ask them questions like what's a day in the life of a threat analyst, whatever it is, and ask them like, hey, I'm not so good in this area. How strongly does this area influence your ability to do your role? 
And those areas that you might be weak in that you go, oh, I'll never get a job because I'm, I suck at Python coding, for example. Um, it could be, well, you don't use it as much, so it's not that big of an issue. Uh, and then from there, you can now go, okay, so these are the things that I need to learn uh, or skill up on. These are the things that I'm good at. And yes, I should be able to apply for those roles and demonstrate that I have the skills and competencies for that specific role to a hiring manager. Um, within a couple weeks, couple months, you develop your timeline and start networking with other peers and hiring managers in the area as you skill up in those roles and talk to them on social media, build your personal brand in that specific area and show that you're now someone in say the threat intel space, uh, whatever it is, and that you're a person that knows what's happening. And when they look at your social media, they see that as well. And when they ask you questions, you know about it. So you're fairly competent in that role. You know, I'll just write this down for my own good. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so anywho, I, that, that's great advice. I saw a bunch of people type in that this was, you know, some really solid advice. And I, I completely agree. I think that's a, the career outlook is often overlooked. And shoot, I almost want you to come talk to our, our career services team where we can all listen to you um, because I think there's so much valuable. You know, we, we do a lot of this, but I think, you know, someone in the industry, it helps so much to, for us to further our reach and how we coach these these students and how we search the you know teach them how to search you know teach them how to fish if you will um you know i'd rather have a fishing pole than a, than a fish if you you know like you want to try to try to see how how far we can go but um you know it, it sounds like i'm on a podcast right now anyway you're you're you you have this great advice I, i'm you know i'm not just the moderator i'm actually like a student as well to this this is great but uh, you do have a podcast right breaking into cybersecurity Sam says it's awesome. I'm apologize. I haven't listened to it, so I can't say it for myself, but I'm sure it is. Sam wrote in this question that it's an awesome resource. I heard it's right up there with Joe Rogan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you're, you're competing at the top on Spotify. No, I'm messing. But, but uh, you know, it is a good resource, I hear. Um, can you tell us what it's about, you know, what you, know, what, what you, what you speak to and, you know, maybe get some more, uh, more listeners from that? Yeah, well, let's go back to, to why I started the podcast. The, the why of the podcast was, in my own journey, it literally took me seven years between having the desire to start in that cybersecurity role and having that formal security title. Um, there were struggles of um, internally networking to transfer to get a role, applying externally to get a role, um, and doing that in the area that I, I, I lived in. And eventually I decided, I decided when I was doing this that the area that I lived in had a cap on those types of roles and I actually had to move to get a role. Um, that has its own uh, drawbacks to it and I have lots of ideas around that, but um, we could talk about that a different time when you, you move for your work. Um, but it, it, it took me a long time. So when I got my first security role, I wanted to share the, the, the struggle and I wanted to show others that were in my same path that were coming from help desk, that were coming from IT, that you could go over to security and you didn't have to be a security person all the time because 20 years ago, there weren't security people. 
There was just sysadmins. There was just uh, database coders. There were web coders. There were application developers. There wasn't a security title, or there might not have been many of them that actually had that title. So it, it, it shares individuals that have broken into cybersecurity within the past five years, and you're the one sharing their experience. So whether they were a librarian, they were a physical therapist, they were whatever they were, um, whether it's a, a boy, girl, whatever, all their backgrounds, I want them to share their story so that others looking at them could go, oh, there's a me in the cybersecurity industry. They have a similar path as me. They look like me. They sound like me. They think like me, whatever that is. And they can see that that's a journey that they can do. Great. Sorry, I was actually about to type your name into Spotify. I'm not sure. Are you on Spotify platform? What do you ask? Uh, we have, we're on YouTube as well as all the major um, podcast platforms. Fantastic. That's awesome. So uh, all you students that are on this, um, take a listen. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of valuable uh, info that you can get from this because, you know, this is just a small snippet of what Chris uh, can, uh, can give us, you know, in this small window of time. So speaking of time, let's roll into the next topic. Um, the next topic, the last topic is your role in evolving trends. Uh, that's, uh, I'm sure, pretty deep. So let's start off with the first question. What do you enjoy most about your role? And what is the greatest challenge? I think what I love about being in cybersecurity is that it's ever evolving. There's something new. When I started um, Outlook Web Access, being hosted by Microsoft was just becoming a thing. Um, Google had just came out. Um, this was back in the day where um, there's LimeWire and sharing and all that sort of stuff. Um, let's, that's a different story. Uh, but but the, the idea of putting AWS or a, a virtual compute in a cloud and using it for business use was just coming of day. Today, you don't have, you hardly have a startup that doesn't have a cloud first experience. So there's two approaches. There is, do you want to go cloud first? And do you understand the risks and the shared responsibility in going cloud first? Or do you want to have a physical footprint and have a hybrid approach? Or do you want to stay all on-prem? That's something for an organization to think about. Uh, mostly everyone's either hybrid or in the cloud. Uh, unless you're DOD, you might want an on-prem installation only, but uh, that's for privacy reasons. Um, but yeah, so the, the fact that it's changing every day. Um, there weren't WAFs back then. There weren't CASBs back then. There, there wasn't a way to protect data with identity back then. So everything's always changing. And what I love doing is figuring out what the technology is doing, and then how can I help an organization implement it? And if it's the right solution for them, because not everyone needs every shiny blinky light that comes out there and not every shiny blinky light is the right solution for their problem. Although uh, some of the salespeople will tell you that after this major whatever ransomware event that their solution could have solved it. Right on. Uh, yeah, evolving is huge. I mean, a lot of our career changes are, 
you know, for example, I, you know, I have some students from uh, American University who uh, left hospitality because COVID took a huge toll on that, right? So, you know, I think there's a lot to say that cyber does evolve, or, you know, just tech evolves, and that there is a, a level of secu job security, if you will, um, because it, it, it continues to evolve, right? And, you know, I remember being on, you know, being on Napster, and my mom picked up the phone, and the dial-up internet would go out. Like, think about how we've evolved since then, you know, it's, it's crazy, uh, uh, you know, and, and there's still things to be secure. I'm still getting emails from the deposed king of Nigeria saying I owe money. You know, like there's things like that out there that we, you know, we 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 can. There's a lot of more, a lot a lot of other layers that we we probably haven't even thought of yet, right? That we're gonna ten years from now be like, wow, that we could even think of this back then or whatever. So that's great. And and I know now you're you're on a lot of leadership roles or projects, or you've done some in the past um, that you've worked on. And, and what, what was your, probably the most satisfying one, if you will, and, and why was it so meaningful? I, I'd say it's one that I'm on right now. Um, I'm part of, oh, over here, uh, the whole Cyberhuman Initiative, and it's a nonprofit geared around helping individuals that are, most of them are coming out of some sort of military service or some sort of service and you're reintegrating into society um, or they're having struggles and they want to get into cyber and they kind of need that extra guidance. So we're helping to provide them with access to free resources, coaching, and then on the other end, um, work with employers that are looking for individuals that, are, that have the skills and competencies for the roles you're looking for, but maybe don't meet all the guidelines or they wouldn't have recruited them because whatever they don't hang out where they hang out so we kind of connect everyone together and the idea behind the nonprofit is that we can kind of bridge those gaps great yeah that's uh that 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 sounds like a, a conflict of interest because that's what i do no i'm kidding but uh, <laughs> no it, it that i think that's huge because you know, our role is, you know, our role in career services is to get, you know, to be an advocate for the students that might be get lost in the ATS of, of, a, of a company that, you know, gets 4,000 applicants a day. I, I tend to focus more on the mid, mid to smaller companies because it's easier to get to talk to someone there versus like five different levels of getting to the right person. So um, I, that, that sounds like a great uh, project. I mean, again, I, and I'm dead serious. I think we, it would be huge, hugely beneficial to have you speak to our team because, there's a lot here that we can take away from it. Um, but uh, anyway, the the next question here, um, and you mentioned career coaching, right? Like one, so that's one role that you have listed um, in, in your many accolades. Uh, and you have a quote on your LinkedIn and it states, I strive to shine a light on the value of others so they can see it in themselves. Deep, I'm gonna go need to take a break. No, I'm kidding. But how do you do that for others? Well, most of the times when individuals come to me for coaching, they say, oh, I'm good at this. Oh, I'm good at that. And then they highlight 20 other weaknesses that they have. And for example, today, I just talked to someone and we, our conversation started just like that. Uh, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. But I, I'm not technical. Okay, well, define what technical means to you. Oh, well, um, I'm just a computer user. Okay, but what type of role do you want in cyber? Oh, well, I, I did a lot of fraud, a lot of investigations, a lot of um, open source research. 
Wow, that, that sounds like a great role. Have you ever looked into, say, uh, threat intelligence or analytics? Well, I used to be an analyst in the past, and you, you, you highlight, look, look at this skill set that you have that you never saw in yourself because you were focused on all the negatives. So that's why I ask folks to don't look at all the negatives, but to focus on their positives and to look for roles to highlight their positive skills and competencies. Because if you always fo focus on the negative, you'll be down that rabbit hole of always trying to improve yourself, but you have skills and competencies that you're good at that you can already take advantage of and share with the world. Even if you're two or three steps ahead of people, you have a lot to share. I think we need to add a life coach to your uh, your background. <laughs> I feel like I need to go lay on my couch here and just, just stare at the ceiling. No, <laughs> no be, but it's funny you say this because we, I had a student from AU that had imposter syndrome, if you will. And we found that we, we see that a lot um, because students are like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I come from this industry or this, I, I'm only, you know, all my, I, I'm 23 years old and I only worked at Starbucks or something. It's like, but you know, this, and this one guy, you know, he, we found a technical support analyst role that it was funny. You know, he was of Vietnamese descent. So he spoke Vietnamese and English both fluently and sure enough on the job description must have Vietnamese fluency. And I'm like, bam, let's go up to this company, man. Let's, let's highlight your, your background in, in the, the program. Let's add this because, you know, bilingual is huge. And for those folks that can speak more than one, one language, that is, I think, huge, especially in, in the, the, where we are today. Um, so, so always highlight that, but uh, this is great. I mean, this, this is good. Like there are positives. Don't see yourself as, oh gosh, I keep getting, um, you know, de de decline from jobs. You have business relations managers and coaches at your, your fingertips. You know, I only handle ODU and AU, um, but I, we have, I have colleagues that handle all the other universities. And if you don't hear from them, let, let us know because we do, you know, we, we're expanding, we, you know, the caseloads are getting big, but let us know because we're here to advocate. I'm sure Chris would, you know, when I, when I first linked in with Chris, the first thing he did right when I, right when I linked in is he sent me his background. I was like, oh shoot. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, like, it sounds like he's willing to, you know, just chat with anybody, you know, I'm sure he's a busy man, but um, like, that's pretty cool that, you, you know, you, you have that uh, in your, in your background. Um, hopefully Alexa didn't aggravate anybody by telling me someone's at the front door. But anyway, let's go to the next question. Um, you're a, a board member for Whole Cyber Human Initiative, uh, where you're redefining how we look at and develop talent in cybersecurity and IT. Thank God we need you. Uh, what do you feel needs redefining when, when looking at talent and talent development and I'm going to take this and post it on LinkedIn. No, I'm kidding. But go ahead and, and let us know, because I think this is very important to hear. Let's talk, talk about um, those looking for talent before you talk about talent development. Oftentimes, individuals creating a job rec will create a job rec based on an individual who's been in the role and might have been there for two or three years, gained a lot of skills and competencies in that role, and now you're, you're looking to go to another role and they wanna backfill that person. They wanna backfill that person with the level that you're leaving at. So now you no longer have an entry level role. You have a mid analyst role or a senior role. And that's how they create the job description. They, they fail to look at the growth of the individual. So the first thing is organizations need to look at a, a pipelining sort of initiative where they create the different levels, how they grow, 
and be prepared to work through that pipelining themselves. Um, I've, I've been part of a, a provocative movement calling cybersecurity uh, a vocation rather than a profession. And it, for those that are academics, there's, there's a definition issue in there where a vocation is something that you learn on the job and a profession is something that's just really academic and knowledge worker. Um, there's a lot of things that happen in cybersecurity that you're doing something and you're not just a knowledge worker. You're, you're creating something, you're, you're analyzing something, you're changing something, and you, you, you don't have to know that ahead of time. You're figuring it out as it's happening. Um, so it, it, it becomes that vocation that you need to create a talent pipeline so that you can grow and develop individuals, whether through external organizations or internally to create that pipeline of candidates that you need to fill all your roles. Right on, right on. I, this, that is, I think, one of the things that is often the, the, the disconnect. And, and you mentioned this earlier too about, um, I, th I think you mentioned this earlier somewhere where we were talking about um, you know, average salaries and people like, show, like I, I'm on, I've, the only social media I have is an Instagram and I barely use it, but when I'm on it, I see these ads for boot camps that aren't ours, thankfully, but it's like, you will make 70, average salary, 75,000. People who are like excited, they're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to make that. But they, they fail to see that it's average, right? But then they also fail to realize there's so much more that has to go into landing your first tech type role. And, and having this is, is, is hugely important because there, like, like I said, there's a disconnect between hiring manager recruiters probably aren't as much as fault because they get, they get aggravated when they're like, Hey, Brian, I have entry level jobs. And I send in my entry level people I'm like, never mind, uh, they need two to three years. I'm like, well, how the heck are they going to get experience otherwise? So I, I like this. I think this is awesome that, you know, you're a board member for this. Um, you know, I, I, I have a huge passion for this. I make memes about it on LinkedIn all the time. Uh, Naomi Buckwalter, who if you haven't followed her, she's freaking hilarious. You guys should follow her. She actually used one of my memes um, because I, I, you know, we joke about it, but it's, it's a serious issue. And I, I like that you are trying to solve that problem. You know, like that's what everything starts with is we're trying to solve a problem here. So um, last question. And, you know, it, it's a big one, <laughs> and, but, you know, it could be as big as you want it to be. What do you think about when you're looking ahead into the next five to 10 years of cyber? Like, how do you think things are going to evolve or change? Hopefully we're not replaced by robots, but what do you think's going to, what do you think's the kind of the next big thing, if you will? Everyone makes fun of artificial intelligence, the metaverse, all these things, but some some aspect of them is going to come true and rather than focusing on the the quote unquote jobs that automation will replace look at all the roles that then get developed um to support automation or the extra thinking that analysts can do when you're not bogged down with trying to find the research or trying to find the data the the automation will help create more jobs in the end. Um, one, because the, the 
the, the skeptic in me is going to say that people will implement automation incorrectly and you'll need more people to support the automation than the automation actually helped. Um, but that's aside. Uh, but I think he'll create more jobs in regards to it might remove a, an entry level SOC analyst and it'll, it'll create new analysts up top that that now get to reverse engineer or um, figure out new ways to connect data together. And those will be human jobs that this AI is, isn't there yet. Um, there's gonna be some form of smart intelligence within the next five to 10 years, but I don't think it's gonna be human-like or to that scale where humans will be fully replaced. Gotcha. All right, cool. That that's that's good to know. Uh, hopefully, in five to ten years, we're not on the omega variant of the uh, of the uh, coronavirus. Because <laughs> who knows where the heck we're going to be? But uh, you know, it, it, we're we're all be you know we're we're all able to work. A lot of us are seeing that working from home is now uh, is a thing that we're realizing is something that everyone can do. And there's there's going to probably there's a lot of remote jobs that are going to be coming out more. I think there's going to be a lot to be said about the tech industry, and it might be even more competitive than it is now. But but I think everyone here is in the right spot. Um, and, you know, I'm not a BSer. I don't sugarcoat things like we will. We here in career services are dedicated, at least from from everyone I've, I've spoken with in our team. We are here to, to work for, you know, to help you out, to be a liaison, to be an advocate. Uh, Chris is, is one of the you know people that we have, uh, you know, good connections with here that um, I'm sure has, you know, aside from his resources, will be you know, there to follow on LinkedIn, maybe ask questions there, but, and we're going to move into that Q and a piece. I see Melissa put it in the chat there, but in closing here, one practical, one piece of practical advice that you would give to someone starting out in the industry. Mine is good luck. No, I'm kidding. What's yours, Chris? I, I would say be eternally curious. There is so much to figure out that first you start with internal curiosity and figuring out what you want to do, why you want to do it, and um, what's your, your drive behind it. Because if money's your only drive, you're going to get burnt out really quickly. Um, let me tell you that. Uh, then that, that same curiosity is going to present you with problems and help you chase down whatever that solution is going to be, whether it's on the people side, the process side, or the technology side. Um, that and continuous development. Uh, just because you got your master's, just because you got a certificate, it, it doesn't end there. You have to be willing to learn all the time. Like on a daily basis, I'm listening to two to three podcasts. I'm reading books. I'm, I'm always learning and growing. Um, I wanted to touch on the money burnout because someone touch, touched on it. Um, incident response is a high paying field. Reason it's a high paying field is oftentimes you will be called on the drop of a dime to go wherever and you will be working for 24 hours a day for two, three months maybe to resolve a ransomware event in a factory somewhere. And your role is to be on there working 24 seven to get this factory back up and going because that company is losing millions of dollars a minute and they don't mind paying you thousands of dollars an hour to do what you have to do because you're losing more than that for every minute that you're down. So 
you might get a lot of money, but you're going to burn yourself out in the process. Ah, um, I'm not saying that all IR jobs is, are like that, but that's just one example of why chasing money um, will burn you out. That's a good point. I, 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 I was actually thinking, you know, I would love to hear that explanation too, which is great because I've always been, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. You ever seen a sad person on a jet ski? I mean, come on. No, but, but uh, uh, you know, it, it, that, that's, that's great advice. I think, you know, knowing your why, you know, finding where your specialty, where you really want your specialty to be, um, you know, guys, th and this is recorded, so you can always go back in here and hear my, you know, I asked him, I was like, am I too much here? But like, I think, you know, Chris and I had some pretty good, uh, you know, banter going back and forth. And, and he really, uh, he really, you know, gave us a lot to think about. I mean, the students, I mean, even us on the career, career services side here, um, and we really appreciate that you uh, took the time out of your, your busy schedule to do this. Um, so Melissa uh, and Sam, I think you wanted to move to Q&A here. Um, so I don't know who does that. I don't know if I'm moderating that, but. Uh, I'll take it over. Yes, please right. do. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're going to jump into Q&A. Um, Brian just said it, but again, this is recorded. I see a lot of questions about certs and education, and we've talked a lot about that already. So please um, ask questions that are relevant that are not easily answered by career services. That is what we're gonna ask Chris right now. So if we skip over your question, that is the only reason. I don't want to seem rude, but we wanna take, use Chris's time the best we possibly can. So Chris, a lot of these questions are about the industry in general, but some of them are also about the personal journey of each student. I'm gonna kind of mix some questions right now, and this is kind of a big one to start with, but obviously our students are of so many different backgrounds, age, gender, race, everything. And we have a lot of nervous students about jumping into this industry with unique backgrounds or different backgrounds. So we have a bunch of questions right now about women in cybersecurity, older age starting in cybersecurity. Can you shed some light on what challenges they might face, what advantages they have um, being of all these different backgrounds? Well, first I'll start with the first computers were actually women and they were doing it by hand and they calculated how the space shuttles will navigate around the earth by hand. So, um, Let's just say that that's a, unfortunately a stereotype that's been created and emanated over the years. Um, I work with a bunch of amazing women and while it is a, a male dominated field, um, you, you don't have to accept that people are gonna treat you any different, right? You speak up for yourself, have others speak up for you, however, um, but, in my experience, men have been very protective of women and it's changing to where you're going to continue to allow um, that the, the sort of misogyny that used to happen. Um, I, I, have, I haven't seen that in a long time and anytime I see it, I do speak up. So there's that. Um, I, and then I would say with regards to age, there's, there's a lot that comes with maturity that someone at 23 doesn't have. And while you might not have some of the characteristics that they have, play on the advantages that you have, right? Um, don't try to replicate 
what they're doing, do what you have to do. Um, one of the, 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 the founders of the whole Cyberhuman Initiative, his story was he was coming out of the military and he was applying for hundreds of jobs, 20 plus years in the military, and he got so frustrated that he was almost ready to apply at Home Depot to help stock the shelves. And I said, no, stop trying to be a 22-year-old sock analyst. Work for something that you want to do. So we, we talked about it. We talked about his leadership skills, his project management skills, and we highlighted how he could follow his passion in cybersecurity, use the skills and competencies that he had, and look for roles that met that alignment and where his age and his experience would be a benefit to him rather than a disadvantage to him. Absolutely, thank you. And question from me, not from the student, kind of talking about what you're talking about. So we know like all the tech knowledge is important, obviously to be in this industry, but what do you think are some of the most important soft skills that our students need? Communication, 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 communication. Because whether you are in a SOC, you are doing analysis, you need to be able to communicate. Whether you are trying to inform a CEO or your manager, you need to be able to communicate. And most of all, if you have a problem that you see that needs to be solved, if you can't communicate that effectively to the stakeholders that need to help you solve it or to get the buy-in to need it to be solved, it's not going to be solved. So communication is the biggest skill that everyone needs. Absolutely, thank you for that. So question direct from a student. As a cybersecurity professional, how many times have you failed? Was there any point in time that you felt like maybe you chose the wrong field? I think it's important for us being babies in the field to understand that there will be tough times in the industry and to hear it from someone of your stature to tell us it's okay. Absolutely. Um, like I mentioned, my, my journey from IT to having my first security title took seven years. It went across several different roles to, to get that title. It, I tried to do internally. I tried to do externally. I tried to do networking. And I learned and failed the ways that it worked and the ways that it didn't work. And those are some of the experiences that I'm able to share. And for, for those of you that have more of those experiences, you can learn and share those with others as well. Thank you. Okay, a question that came up because of your LinkedIn. So the student writes, I noticed looking through your LinkedIn that you worked as an IT systems director as a volunteered unpaid question mark for five to six years. Would you say this volunteer work was the reason you were able to break into the field in a larger way than tier one help desk or was the short stint of time as a tech support engineer more important to your ability to get into the field and advance? Well, so let, let's talk about back to the why, right? Um, that organization where I did that for was an organization in my younger years that did a lot for me 
in my journey to, to maturity. I met a lot of people. I traveled a lot. So I wanted to give back to that organization. And me managing their IT infrastructure, managing their SharePoint, managing their email, helping them to support that organization, that's something small that I could give back that I was able to do in addition to my day job. And that allowed me to feel like I was paying them back for all the things that they helped me with. So yes, it was unpaid. I learned a lot of working across stakeholders that were in different time zones, uh, from different backgrounds, um, maybe didn't speak English, but you still had to communicate with them or their understanding of something was totally different. So I learned a lot in that role. Um, in regards to my shorter stints when I was younger, that's because I was ambitious. I wanted to grow. I wanted to, to get that title. I wanted to get that money. Um, and that's how I grew. There's, there's some statistics that show that you can grow your salary at 50% at a rate at up to 50% by moving. Sure. Um, by moving, you can get a bigger salary, but you miss out on the experiences because every time you move, you have to relearn an environment. So you have to weigh that balance between moving and getting that higher pay or learning and then being able to take that experiences to your next role. Thank you. So we have a bunch of questions, very specific to each student. So I'm gonna combine them again, students. A lot of these questions can be answered by your career coaches or career ambassadors. We even have some on the call right now, but these students are asking, so they have specific roles in mind that they want. We have someone interested in IoT, someone interested in privacy engineer, mal malware analysis. When they know what role they want, how, what do they do next? How do they know what certs to get? How do they know what volunteer experience or education they should get? Where do they go from there? One of the, the challenges that I put out publicly on the internet call uh, the job seekers challenge is for you to figure out one of those job titles that you're interested in and go out and look at the job descriptions for six or seven different companies, different sizes, different industries, and see what you're calling for, see what experiences they want, see what education they want, what certifications they want, and kind of do that skills gap analysis to yourself, see where you fall towards that and where you may need to, to improve on. Don't, don't take action yet. Now go out and interview 12 individuals with that title um, and that way you ask them a day in the life of a threat analyst, a day in the life of whatever, and see which of those skills and competencies are really needed versus what's on the wish list of this job description that these companies wanted and what they would take. And by finding that out, you can see where you really lie in regards to meeting those requirements and if there's something else that you want to work on to help get you a little bit higher. That is amazing advice. Students, I hope you listened. There are so many questions about your specific journey. 
Um, next question, we get this one a lot as well, kind of similar, but as a very entry level student, what are some good positions that they should go for to jump in and learn a number of the areas until they feel comfortable or interested in one? Well, there's your, your, your traditional IT support background areas that I, I hate to say it, the, the help desk role is like the ER of many companies. You learn about the applications, how they work, the type of questions that users ask, um, the things that they think they were doing, but they weren't doing. Uh, you learn a lot about human interaction, application interaction, uh, the system design. You learn a lot in that role. Um, another role, a sales role, specifically for organizations that might sell more than one product. You have to learn about all those products the system ecosystem of where they sell in, how they're better than their competition, what problems they solve. And you have to learn all that so that you can go do your job. Um, that then <laughs> another role would be uh, potentially some sort of analytical role if you're analytically inclined and kind of do that research in, in those specific areas. Thank you so much. We get that question so often, so thank you. Speaking of very little experience, we talked about your volunteer work. So besides volunteer, what is another way for these students to get some experience that they can possibly put on their resume or speak about in an interview? I would say, look, there's several different ways of getting experience. There's volunteering, there's on the job, and then there's do it yourself. And do it yourself really means that whether you're creating your own cloud environment to set up your own stack, to talk about how you did the upgrade, to figure out how you got these two inoperable applications to work together, or a home lab where you're physically doing everything together, or research project that you did and you, you did all the research and you posted it to a blog, or your LinkedIn profile or something like that, some output that you're creating, you can then use that experience as your story as to something tough that you accomplished in your career or some challenges that you had and be that narrative to help answer your interview question. Perfect. And I don't know if you hire or if you're involved in that process, I'm sure you have been before, but maybe like top three things that are not obvious that you look for in a candidate? Well, if it's someone that has been um, in a previous role before, I look for results as to how they grew in their role. Um, and if they're, they're saying, well, I did this, I did that, and I don't see results, um, it makes me wonder, did they achieve those? did they really do that or was that just on the job description that they copied um and that's something that i i find out in the interview um the other thing is communication and diverse backgrounds so someone that might have come from an interesting area people bash on psychologists or the different educational backgrounds but they have a different point of view on the same problem set that can help you 
look at a problem differently. Someone with a, a different upbringing can help you look at something differently. Um, and then the third thing is really interest in the field. And that's something that you can include in your extra section on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile, kind of to show that this isn't something that you're doing just because, but that you're really interested in it. Yep, that passion. You can kind of bring all your answers back to your finding your why, right? So that's where everybody should start. Um, okay, last two questions. We have perfect timing. So I'm going to mix these again. We have students asking um, what roles they should go into based on their background. So right now we have business, speakers, finance, hospitality, food. How do they know where they best fit in using their skills, their passion? How, to, how do they find the perfect role for them? Well, I would say one of the things that connects all those roles you listed is communication. So that, that's one. Um, potentially things like project management could be another. And just really finding skills and competencies that you've done in your previous roles and how those align to something. I send a lot of individuals to the, the nice NIST workforce development framework that kind of helps break down the 52 different roles and 32 different subspecialties that NIST has created, as well as cyberseek.org that also kind of shows that career path and that development and breaking that down into uh, KSAs or knowledge, skills, and abilities for each of the different roles. Perfect. Well, that's a perfect way to end this. We, are, we have great timing, everybody. Good job. So, Christoph, thank you so much for your time. Students, so many gems dropped by Christoph. I learned a lot, not even in this industry. So I know that you guys learned so much. Um, just want to go back to something that Christoph said, being eternally curious. You being here today proves that, right? You have a curiosity. You took an hour out of your busy life to come here and learn from an industry professional. So feel really, really good about that choice today. So Christoph, thank you so, so much. Brian, thank you. Melissa, thank you. Um, Career Services is absolutely here for all of you students. So please take advantage. Again, this is recorded. You can watch it again. You will receive it in Canvas and probably a pop-up in your email. There's a survey at the end, please answer that. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, I'm sure you can get a hold of us. So thank you so much, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you at our next event. Thank you. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.